There was this woman and this guy who had a very volatile relationship, sometimes good, sometimes really bad. And uh, the woman has been talking to a therapist and some friends, and she finally gets the gumption to go home and tell the guy it's over. So she drives over to his place, and she walks in and she says, I'm leaving. And he says, I'm coming with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's sort of what the selfie is like. Now, I don't know, anyone have ever heard zenbitchlap.com? Just from Bridget. (laughs) Yeah, that's a website that we have, uh, because maybe I should use a glossary of terms. I'm going to use a statement called selfing, and I'm going to use a statement called identification as a self. Now, the statement identification as a self isn't like there's an identification as, which is the verb, and then there's a self. The identification as a self is a verb. In other words, for me, there is no long-lasting independent separate entity. It's a mental idea that's reinforced usually by your daily narrative in your head, you know, by the language that we've been taught. Because the language is a subjective language used by objects. Yeah. So like people have, who haven't seen me in a while, I came over to, to Boston to do some talks and they said, Paul, you're growing your hair. And I said, I'm not actually growing my hair. I'm just not cutting it, you know. I'm not, like, taking three hours on every Saturday to go grow my hair. You know what I mean? Like, grow, grow, like this. No, as long as I don't cut it, it grows. It's sort of like it's funny where people say, you know, let's say if I was sitting here and I said, I've got to stop the meeting early because I forgot this burrito I ate. i got to go home and digest it, yeah? i got to do that. And, like, I'm pumping my own blood and I'm beating my own heart. It sounds funny, but on a much subtler process of the brain and the body, which is thinking, you and I feel like we're the thinker. Yeah? You and I feel like we're the thinker. If you have or have an ego, let's say, there's a feeling that there's a you that has the ego. Yeah? When there's an action being done, you feel like you're the one who's doing it. Yes? When there's a feeling occurring, there's the feeling that you are the one who's feeling it. Yeah? This, to me, is the selfing. Putting yourself in a position, like, what's going to happen to a thought if it's your thought? What's going to happen to a thought? Simple demonstration. Let's say there's a, uh, there's a blackboard here. We're going to write the word sex down. And we're going to write the word money down. And we're going to write the word health down. And everyone is going to give somewhat of a meaning to those things based on their conditions. If you don't have any money, money will mean a lot more to you, yes? If you're not healthy, you'll be thinking health means a lot. Okay? And there's a certain heaviness or lightness that's, that's going to be there. Now we're going to change the weight of those words by adding one simple word in front of them. My money. My health. My sex. Yeah? Totally different. Money is totally different than my money. Sex is totally different than my sex. I could write novels about my sex, yeah? Health is totally different than my health. A thought is totally different than my thought. A feeling is totally different than my feeling. A problem is totally different than when it's your problem, yes? The act of being identified as a self is an activity, It doesn't say in recovery, I come from recovery, it doesn't say in recovery that we were bonded to self. Please relieve us of the bondage to self. Because that would be like, if I was here and I was bonded to this chair, a handcuff could do it, yes? 
I'd be bonded to this thing, and maybe if you found the right spiritual locksmith, they could open up the lock, and I'd be free from the bondage to this chair. But it's not bondage to, it's bondage of. It's an activity, yeah? So the mental process, and we never, when we were babies, no one, no one had a sense of being an independent, long-lasting, independent entity. We had to grow into that feeling. Usually they say it starts happening around 18 months in the child's uh, development. And it, sometimes, some research says that it coincides with the language center firing. Yeah? Because the language is what keeps the trance in place. When you're listening, which you do, you hear your thoughts. Yeah? Those thoughts are telling you you're the doer in such an absurd way when someone says you're growing your hair. It's funny, when you have absolutely nothing to do with growing the hair, except you're not cutting it, yeah? And when someone's... And, but, at the same time, you're walking around believing you're the thinker of the thoughts, yeah? And that's the bondage. The bondage isn't an ego, it's the bondage is the one who thinks they have an ego. And then for the one who thinks they don't want an ego, and even the one that thinks they've lost the ego, there's still that one in place. That's the bonding point, yeah? It's not a thought, it's a thought wrapped in a feeling. There's a sense of being a self. A sense. There's a sense that you're the doer. There's a sense when thinking is seen that you're the seer. You're the thinker, yeah? So in a way, what's happening in life is presented in a statement called conscious contact. So consciousness is in contact here through five basic gates. You're hearing, feeling, seeing, tasting, touching. In Buddhism, there's the sixth gate, which is the mind, yeah? Hearing thoughts. So these five gates, consciousness is moving through and experiencing whatever this place you want to call it. To me, to some people, it's consciousness is experiencing consciousness, yeah? There's consciousness and non-manifestation, then there's manifestation of consciousness. So it's experiencing that. So what's actually happening here is conscious contact. So you could say conscious is probably comes from consciousness. So in a sense, consciousness is in contact here. And then in after, after the contact, there's a mental process that produces a sense of you, and that you is now claimed to be the one who's conscious. So instead of feeling like Buddha once said, supposedly said, when you see, see. When you hear, hear. When you feel, feel. When you taste, taste. When you touch, touch. But the way most of us live, we live by an interpretation. So the seeing gets interpreted into the seer and seen. And the emphasis is taken off the seeing, the sense of the onness, and put to the object and the subject, yeah? which you're the seemingly subject, and what's seen is the object. Yes. Same thing with feeling. The feeling is forgotten. Now there's the feeler and the, there's the felt. The taster, now there's the taster and the tasted. Yeah? On and on and on and on. It's called a heist, in a way. The mental process, though, takes a, it takes a while for the mental process to produce the self. The self that it produces feels like it was prior to the process. So when people come to these talks, and after a while they get some ideas of what, how we're using terminology, and they'll call me in and say, I've been selfing all day. Yeah. In fact, the product of that of that selfing is the feeling of the one who's doing it. Yeah? The one who's doing the selfing is the bondage to self. It's not the selfing. The selfing cannot produce a self. It can just insinuate, refer to, infer, right? That's all it does. Your mind makes the leap. 
Your mind makes to leap. Yeah. If there's an action, there must have been an actor. Who says that? Lord Buddha once made a beautiful statement. He says, there's deeds are being done, events are happening like tonight, and deeds are being done, but there's no individual doer thereof. It has nothing to do with doing. There's tons of doing going on. The idea is, is there a doer behind it? Yeah. If there is a doer, and our mind says it's so, then what happens is, the doing is forgotten, the sense of the activity of life, and an interpretation that life, instead of seeing it as happening, you see it as it's happening to me. Which is not a form of seeing, it's a form of looking, called self-centeredness. You're looking, and if you use, you will try to apply that form of looking to find the seeing, you'll never find it. Because you are what you're looking for, at this very moment. The raw mind is like open sky. Open sky. You can have 4th of July explosions in it, it doesn't rip the sky open. There's, you never hear a plane call the, the tower saying, I, we just ran into a big chunk of sky. Yeah? Tons of clouds come and go. When it rains, it doesn't, the sky doesn't get wet. And when, when a bird shits, it usually lands on your car, not on the sky. Yeah? <laughs> Sky is like that. Our mind is like sky. Yeah. Vast and open, allowing everything to appear in it, yet not affected by anything that appears in it. Yeah. It allows everything to appear in it, but it's not affected by anything that's appearing in it. You have that immunity right where you're sitting. You have the immunity to thoughts, you have the immunity to feelings, you have an immunity to circumstances and situations, and where you lose the immunity, when there's a sense of being a you who's in the circumstances and the situation, the sense of being the thinker of the thoughts and the feeling, the feeler of the feelings. So selfing is just an activity. Yeah. The whole point is, if something wasn't here, how could it appear to be here? If something actually truly wasn't here, how could it appear to be here? It could appear to be here by being remembered, yes? So something that happened two weeks ago cannot appear to be here, but it can seem to be here by remembering it, yeah? But it's actually not here. Let's say two Saturdays ago is never going to appear on this Tuesday, or whatever it is, Wednesday, Tuesday, yeah? No, it's never going to actually really be at the Tuesday, but it can appear to be to you. Yeah. So the sense of self has no inherent existence. It's based on an activity, and the activity is that it must be remembered. Yeah. So what? How does it? How is it remembered? Well, your thought system. Just look at your own thought system. How does your thought system picture you? It pictures you as a body. Yes. When you think about you three years ago, you're not thinking about you as space or spirit. How are you going to try to quantify that? Oh, my spirit was feeling very unspiritual three years ago. You know, <coughs> well, that space just looked like this space. You know, just spacious. <laughs> no, it's a re- you remember the body, yeah? And you're taking the body to be you, and therefore your thoughts have enough propulsion by your interest and attention to think about it, yeah? So you think about you in the past, and then you think about you in the future, and you're remembering yourself in the past, but where are you, where is the remembering's effect? Now. You're remembering the past, 
but its effects are now. You're remembering the self now. yeah. And when you're worrying about what's going to happen to you as a body, which is the sense of self, the long-lasting, independent, separate entity, when you're worrying about that in the future, it's a form of remembrance also. So you're remembering the self not there, but now, by thinking about it in the future. Yeah? So its logic is this. I was there, I will be there, therefore I am here. Because it has no evidence right now that it's here. There is no evidence that there's a self here. There's an evidence that a body seems to be. There's things are happening. But you point to me where the self is. Take an x-ray of it. It's remembered. That's why there's a great statement in St. Francis where he says, it's in self-forgetting that everything gets good. He doesn't, that's paraphrasing it. He says, I think you're reborn. And there's a great Zen master called Dogen from Japan who says, to study Buddhism is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. Yeah? Why is forgetfulness so important? Because its attribute of appearance is remembrance. Yeah? When you're doing something you really love, maybe it's yoga, for me it's surfing and stuff like that, when you're in that experience, you're so engaged with the conscious contact, your mind is so engaged with what's happening, it's not remembering self. And then, that's when you feel the freaking best, don't you? (laughs) But what happens is, the self claims that experience, and says, as a self, it says, oh, we lost the self for a while. But it's the self that's now saying it lost the self. Or like if you have an epiphany. You ever had anyone have an epiphany here? Did you make a reservation for it? Did you call ahead and say, I'm, I think I'm coming down with an epiphany. I think it's going to be Friday. I want that room with the candles and gets Kenny G music pumped in. And uh, you know, I think it's going to be a long one. No, it sort of sort of intervenes on your little linear story, doesn't it? And what happens is, in a sense, raw mind is there. There's no remembrance of self for, let's say, a long or a short period of time. And what occurs is, usually every epiphany ends with, around this, this point. The mind goes, I'm having this incredible epiphany. And then the epiphany is over. Because now the selfing has claimed it. Now it's neutered. Now you put it on your little spiritual mantle. You call up the 800, you know, report epiphany line, and see, who had the biggest ep- I did. I had the biggest one in Philly this week. It's like you got a, you know, like a fucking lion's head on your spiritual mantle. And yet, the head, by claiming it, will now use that incredible absence to beat the living hell out of your mind because now every moment is going to be lacking because it ain't like that. Yeah? When all it was was a presentation of what was really so, it was sufficient enough to stop the process of remembering self, therefore you were in like roar or virgin mind, you were in the conscious contact. You ever been in them? You're seeing colors, everything is tasting different, you're smelling like flowers. It's just so exquisite because the conscious contact is unfettered with this mental interpretation. You're just in the, you're in the, you're on the pulse of living at that moment, yeah? You're actually sensing what being is, which is expressing and manifesting. And your heart, your attention's right there. Every time you're in self, you're on a time delay. Because no matter what's happening now, it takes a little bit of time for the mental process to produce the self and then to claim what happened and make a story out of it and you've missed the whole moment. 
So in recovery, we say, self cannot get out of self. You, or in Buddhism, they say, you can't use mind to get out of mind. You can't use Buddha to find the Buddha. Yeah, You can't use light to find light. So this is more of a thing of a negation. We're not telling you what you are. We're questioning who you think you are. And if you're not that, maybe that's going to be that. Yeah? That's what occurred with me in recovery, in alcoholism. The parasite, it's like a strong mental, very strong mental wind or mental groove. In Hinduism, they call it a samskara. Well, alcoholism, in a sense, takes you over. It's like a parasitical movement. And anyone who's ever been taken over by addiction to, let's say, shopping or alcoholism or pornography or whatever it may be, gossip, whatever it may be, it's almost like you're possessed, yes? And that thing is a pretty, pretty hostile takeover. If, like, say, a big bug landed on my arm right now, I would probably immediately knock it off, yeah? And if it landed on me 30 times, I'd have that knee-jerk reaction to knock it off. With this, anyone who's been under alcoholism or addiction, it's a pretty hostile takeover. So the parasite has to have an incredible strategy. And it does. It convinces you, the host, that you're the parasite. Yeah? So now, while it's expressing through this opportunity called you, that your little voice box is claiming every one of those expressions is yours. So now they're my fears, my resentments, my, act, my acting out. But in fact, they're the expressions of that thought system called self. Yeah. How can you be free from something you're identified as? You can only attempt to be free as it, by it, for it, but the whole solution is from it. Yeah. The relief is not for it. You're not going to become a freed self. That's still a form of bondage. Remember, the bondage isn't to anything, it's of. It's an activity. That's, it's like a gluing. It's like a glue. It's a very unholy bonding. It's like water and oil, so it needs a lot of activity to keep you... Reinf- keep reinforcing the idea that it's a you. So every thought is inferring you as the thinker. Every reading of every action is there's a doer. So it's constantly pointing, inferring, implying, insinuating, refer- assuming. But your mind has to make the leap. It cannot make a self. It can only point that one. It can only point an idea to the mind and the mind makes the leap. That's where the solution lies. If you can see the activity of the selfing, you won't see from the selfing. You will see it. You'll see it made up. You'll see what reinforces it. And it will be a very distinct, very strong hit. I'm not that. And as soon as your mind realizes I'm not that, the next thing it can entertain, I can be free from it. Not therapize it. Not socialize it. Not try to make civilize it. You know, not just hope for maybe a three-month workable relationship once, or I won't flip out at the next picnic I go to and think that's a great success. You'll radically be free from it. And then you'll know the problem from the solution. You will know it from the solution. It's like everyone here in this room, nobody, I guarantee, nobody was in a cafe today where someone was talking about the effects of gravity. 
Not one person was listening over, overhearing a conversation. Someone's going, gravity's really heavy today on my shoulder. I can really feel this pushing. It looks like it's nice of you today, you know. Today it's like really on my case, you know. No one freaking knows yet gravity's affecting this body every day, all day. None of us are paying any attention to that. The only way you'll know it is if you go into an anti-gravity little thing, yeah? Then you'll know it by its absence. You'll know what it was by its absence, Yeah? The re- you know the problem from the relief from it. When you get the relief from it, you'll know what, what was causing the heaviness. You'll see it as clear as day. Yeah? And it's not the c- cops, it's not the ex-wife, it's not the kids, it's not my physical circumstances, emotional circumstances. It's the idea of the one who's in them all. Yeah? The strong allegiance to this idea that I'm a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and that act of remembrance this is the passive denial of what you are yeah which I believe is the seeing yeah it is not even the conscious contact you're seeing the conscious contact the conscious contact is occurring and there can be an awareness of that conscious contact I would say you and I are that awareness of the conscious contact so this is just a simple imitation. It's sort of like, uh, let's say my car, I have an old car, and let's say it broke down. So I'd go to it, and uh, there was an air filter. My friend would take the air filter off, and he'd be up out there, and I'd be trying to turn it on, and he'd have a gas can. He'd put a couple of drops of gas in the car, and I had the key, and I hit the you know, pump in it, and then it fires up, right? I don't need, if I keep pouring gas in, I flood it. This is what this is. This message is an invitation, not a dissertation. This, invi- this is not an invitation to, to join a path of illumination. This will illuminate whatever path you're on. It's not an end of a process because it's not of time. You can't use time to reach it because you can't be far from it. It doesn't play that game. It's not located somewhere else than where you're not. It's always available at all times with no requirement necessary to be aware of it. You already fulfilled the requirement, which is the awareness. Yeah. You entertain it, and how what it does, what it's done for me, it's allowed me to travel lighter over the geography of my life. It didn't promise it was going to change its geography. I'm going to get fired if I'm going to get fired. I'll either marry or not, and all like this. I may get ill, I may not get ill, but I'll travel lighter over every all of it on a consistent level. And you will know the problem from the relief, from the solution. And when you get the solution, you see the problem was imaginary, and you, the, then the solution gets thrown out also. Yeah? You don't even have to carry one solution. <laughs> How much lighter do you want it? <laughs> you don't even have to pick up one thing. You don't need a solution. If the problems are imaginary, why would you need a solution for it? <laughs> it's like people who are obsessed with what's not happening. I wish I could have a therapeutic business where I was. that's all I dealt with. You know, I'd have the shortest sessions in the world. They'd come in, start spieling about what's not happening. I'd say, that's not happening. There's nothing more you need to do. What are you going to do if it's not happening? Absolutely nothing. Did it take any time to deal with it? No. You just recognize the obviousness. It's not happening. Yeah. 
Now, in what's not happening, anything can happen. You can have cancer in what's not happening right now. Yeah, You can be destitute. Your girlfriend or boyfriend may be sleeping with your best friend or whatever right now in what's not happening. Yeah. But then there's something that is going on called what's happening. It can't, it's, there's not millions of things happening. There's only one, but it has one quality what's not happening doesn't have. And that is, it's happening. Yeah? You may not like it. You may not think it's great. But it does, it is happening. There is, you're seeing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling. You're engaged here. Yeah? All there is is an, a, a simple awareness of that. And it produces a great immunity to what's not happening. Because it's not happening. <laughs> and if it's not happening, how can it have an effect? It needs you to produce the effect by thinking about it, by re-feeling it, by rehashing it, by going over it again and again and again. You're, it's the mind itself that produces the feeling. It's not... It's. It's just cultivating it in that imaginary field. But that imaginary field cannot produce a crop. Your mind produces the crop. Yeah? And in a way, you can see that as a drag, but it's the solution. If you don't make the leap from the pointing to what's pointed at, there's the freedom from what's pointed at. There's the freedom. You'll feel it like a pause. Something will stop but it's very, very pregnant. I would say that's your true original face. It's not a noun. It's not of a body. It's what's actually there, aware of the conscious contact. I would say that's what you are. Yeah? And then you see blue is blue and red is red. Like I was doing a talk in California, and a guy says to me, are you afraid of sharks? Yeah? Because I surf and I go, not now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm at a talk. I'm on land. It's not me. You know, I'm not. I I know I know the qualities of shock. They haven't learned how to grip. You know, get on land and take a cab yet. You know what I mean? So I was sort of like, no, I'm not. Then he goes into the hypothetical. But if you were in the water, I said maybe. I don't know. I'd have to be in the water to find out if that arises. But for right now, I'm total immunity to it. That's exactly what it's like. It's so much common sense where, you know these books that a lot of people got into? I don't know if they're still producing them. How to Get Into the Moment. Did you ever read any of them? No? No? I don't think anyone's ever read a whole one of them. You know, usually a few chapters. But there's books about how to get into the moment and how to really get into the moment. This is the third division, how to really, you know, the third edition, how to really, really get into the moment. (laughs) Well, the whole point we're saying is you can't be out of a moment. You are the moment. Without you, there's nothing. There is no moment. Yeah? So why are we so trying so hard to get into something we can't be out of? And why, in one sense, in spirituality, why is everyone trying to get out of self if they can't be in one? Yeah? To me, selfing is like a predator, but not like a predator in the jungle where you know the prey when the predator jumps on them and rips their throat out. This predator has you by moving away from it. When your mind keeps trying to get out of it, that's being in it. That's the real trap. You don't see the second side of the trap. You're believing, and it feels noble to try to get out of it, but you ain't going anywhere. It's sort of like every, every exit doesn't lead anywhere. 
You know, no matter how many maps that say this is the authentic, even if it's three thousand years old, this is the escape, the authentic escape route. It ain't taking you anywhere because self cannot get out of self. You cannot transcend an imaginary place. You can never get out of what you're not in. Yeah, and you can't get into what you're not out of. And this just all this stuff that's so crazily disproportioned just starts chilling out, and you, it starts getting clearer and clearer with no thought or effort on your part. You've just been entertaining some possibilities in your life, yeah. Just like if some I was looking out of a big door that was open, I wasn't thinking of who's going to come in or who's not. I'm just entertaining the space, and then when something shows up, I recognize it. That's what I talk of what I mean by entertaining. You're opened up. And you're just entertaining what you've been entertaining and then see what happens. And what's beautiful is, like in Zen, they say the, like the highest form of mind is I don't know. Yeah? Beautiful, beautiful thing. So in the I don't know, you're relegated into finding out. Yeah? Because you don't know. Finding out is much, such a much higher form of knowledge, man. It has the ability to be convincing. So where you get to a point where you've reached a point where you're convinced and then what's done is truly done, yeah? You, you have a very sober assessment about what's going on and everything becomes clear, yeah? Like big empty space. And it translates into you and I traveling lighter through today. I used to think like a huge, big experience was it. But I'll tell you, there's these people that years ago, they realized something and they started stealing like a quarter of a, of a penny out of billions of transactions. So anytime anyone looked at one transaction, they couldn't even notice how little was gone. But when they multiplied these billions and billions of transactions, they got away with tons of money. Yeah, This is sort of like that. Every day there's a possibility in this experience of you being heavier or lighter, yeah? Every moment. This is about skimming off that heaviness every moment. And if you look at it over a period of time or, or, or a whole life, you'll see this is the true value. The value uh, coming from that ordinary dog shit awareness, just being aware that there's consciousness happening and it's not happening to me or as me or for me. It's just happening, and there's the seeing of it, yeah? To have that skimming off every moment of possibility of heaviness and keeping it light, that thing, would, you would be so grateful for that that, 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 that great boon has been dropped on you. Mm. So what do you do? Nothing, really. And if you came here looking for something, you're going to hopefully walk out with nothing. Yeah, and if you collect a lot of somethings, why is it going to end up to be nothing? So why not just start with nothing? Yeah, or no thing. The only problem with us is we're we're seeing nouns when there aren't any. Yeah, so we believe it's like putting a flagpole in river. You know, and we're saying this is the river when the whole river is a verb. You know, water rushing by. You can't really capture capture it. You can just put a name and form on it, but it doesn't capture what it's like, the river. Yeah. Well, I don't believe we're a noun. I believe we're, everything is verbing. Yeah. And the way you know it's verbing is when you're a verb. 
you can really see that life is just happening. When you're a noun, or take yourself to be a noun, life has to be seen as, as if it's happening to you. Yeah? And that is the bondage of self. So this isn't a draft or anything. We're not, we don't have a thing to sign up for. You know, you're not going to get like a, a new lesson every week. You know, send me $100 a month or something. <laughs> this is an invitation. I wouldn't even present it unless I believe it was available right now, right where you are. You know, I have the faith in mind that if you can hear it, you can entertain it. And if you entertain it, you'll see if it's so or not. Yeah, you'll find out yourself. And you may not recognize it right away, but after a few months of traveling later, it will dawn on you. You'll see that you're onto something, and why not just write it? It will always be there right where you are. It's never going anywhere. Every Any moment that you're conscious, there will be that invitation. And it's truly a place to rely on, yeah? Most of us are relying on a system of thought called self-centeredness, and in recovery... They talk about it very beautifully. They go, why are you in so much fear today? And he doesn't let us answer because then the book, which is about 300 pages, would be about 1,500 pages, you know, because we'd all give stories why we're in fear. He says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? And he makes a statement. He says, fear is the activator to the character defects, yeah? And let's just take it a little farther. Then the character defects activate what? Behaviors, yeah? The behaviors activate consequences. The consequences activate a need to get out of this freaking loop. So you'll have to do almost anything to get some relief. Then you go back to fear, and now people are trying to deal with the fear, but fear isn't the first knot. The first knot is reliance on self. That's what's producing the fear, because self is unreliable. So when the mind puts faith in something that's unreliable, puts faith in it, it produces anxiety with the faith of mind. Yeah, a failed system, if relied upon, will produce anxiety out of your faith. You're believing this freaking thought system. Every damn thought about what's not happening, you'll be taking that false evidence appearing to be real. Yeah, that's the acronym we use in AA for fear: false evidence appearing real. False evidence cannot be real, can never be real, will never be real, but it can appear to be real to you. Yeah, you're the one that gives it all the meaning it has. So if your mind is in the Petri dish of reliance on self, and you're living in that anxiety, then things, false evidence, are going to appear to be real. You're going to perceive threats where there are no threats. Because you're not even going to be able to respond to this moment. This moment, there is no threat. I'm not going to talk that much longer. You know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about a lot of things. There's no threat here. But you not, may not be responding to this moment. You may be reacting to what's not happening, and you're in contraction. Yeah? You're in fear, yet there's no imminent threat right now. What is that but mental anxiety? And how can that be produced? It produces the physiological effects of fear, but it is not the emotion of fear. It's mental anxiety. And it all comes from the fields of what's not happening. If you are devoted to that thought system, if you're believing those thoughts, and your belief in them is rooted in the mind, you're identified as the one who's doing the thoughts, and there's that belief. You are now, you're now at the ability to be affected by those thoughts. Yeah. 
what would happen if the faith, that's just, a, everyone in this room has tons of faith. Everyone in this room has tons of faith. It's going to manifest in your life by the vehicle your mind puts in it. If it puts it into a failed system, it's going to produce anxiety. If it puts it into something reliable, it'll produce uh, an ease and comfort in your skin now. It's the exact same faith. Exact same faith. Yeah? Someone who's devoted to the thought system, their prayer isn't like this, it's like this. Yeah? They're worried as hell about what's not happening. This is a whole different thing. There's so... I've seen it. I mean, I suffered under its tyranny for years. There's nothing like a, a life driven by alcoholism and addiction. You go as far as, you know, you'll go out one night. I don't know. Are there any people who ever did drugs here? No. A few? All right. Yeah, yeah some people still. Well, others won't. They'll, they'll identify with this. I remember I used to go out, you know, thinking I looked pretty cool. And I was just going to do this and do that. I had some outfit. And then after a few days of being loaded on coke and stuff, I'd be at a house where a bunch of people were shooting drugs up, cocaine, and we were all sitting in our own little chairs or on the couches, and then the r- cocaine was running out for some of us, and then suddenly this really cool junkie looked at the rug and started thinking, there may be some coke in that rug, yeah? So then suddenly he'd get down on the rug and start looking for imaginary cocaine, yeah? And then everyone else would follow heed. And it was like we had a... No, this is my little turf here. And all these very cool bohemian types were now looking, finding lint, and then trying to... And putting it up in their arms. That is rabid freaking seeking. That is what selfing is like. And it's, it can be put into spirituality. It can be put into yoga. Whatever the selfing comes in contact with, it will take advantage of. There's nothing that it sees as noble here. Nothing. No thing does it see as noble here. It will try to take advantage of it. And that thing, let's say it's about peace. Let's say you're addicted to the thought system. And the thought system is drenched in time. Every thought that you have has time involved in it. Yeah? So let's say, okay, now somehow something happens and you're in peace. What's the thought system going to do? It's going to go, what, is it going to be here tomorrow? Is that peace? No, it becomes another object to worry about. You see? Selfing is a, you know, in Buddhism they say, you know, that they're suffering. They, it's like a malaise or a vague feeling of discontent. So Buddha said, you know, the root of the problem is suffering. And what's causing it is desire. So what I found is the selfing has a desire to become and unbecome. Yeah? So the system of selfing is agitated. And it's never not going to be agitated. It's like a slinky. You know? The slinky moves and the first movement brings the second movement. And then the second brings the... Yeah? So it goes on. So it has a desire to become, let's say, it has a desire to unbecome. You feel like you're a loser and you want to become a winner. That's a bullshit story. You're not a loser or a winner, but you have a feeling that you are something you don't want to be, so you have a desire to unbecome, and then you have a desire to become something that you don't think you are. Yeah? And it goes on and on and on and on and on. Agitated, 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 agitated. Agitation, you, like a great Zen statement was, you can't use agitation to find stillness. That would be agitation. Yeah? So even if you're lucky enough let's say, to find a little still patch, you're claiming it will agitate it. Yes? So you're not going to win. 
you're not going to like hear about non-self and now you're going to try to become a non-self. That's, that's also a sense of self. The sense of a non-self. Yeah? There's no way you can get in and get out of this little trap. The beautiful thing is you were never in it, truly. That's the gorgeousness of it. It takes you absolutely no time, no time whatsoever to come out of what you're not in. None. No time. And you'll know it when you're out of it. You'll know it by the relief from it. Yeah, You'll see... It's just, it's just like that gravity thing. You don't know the effects of gravity until the effects are removed. And then you know it by its absence. Yeah, You'll know about selfing by its absence. And for me, it became the last answer, you know. I was introduced to this about, I don't know how many years ago. And uh, when I first heard it, like at a meeting like this, it was like an unspoken yes. It was like I knew it before knowing, you know. And then it's just been echoing ever since. And all I've been doing is entertaining it for like 14, 15 years. That's all. Just entertaining it. There's no vigilance concerning it. There's no efforting. I'm not working on it. <laughs> I don't have a... When I come to a talk like this, there isn't like a get ready, get set, go room, and then I come out here all prepared. <laughs> the preparation is with no preparation. The true security is in uncertainty. Yeah? The true knowing is unknowing. That's the only what... For me, that's the only thing that works. I mean, I used to go on retreats in Thailand to sit for three weeks, 14 hours a day, seven hours walking, seven hours sitting. I'd lose about 20 pounds because you only eat before 10.30. It's like a soup. And then you can have yogurt drinks the rest of the day. you like little... And uh, have tons of spiritual experiences, all like this. They had, they had nothing, nothing to do with it. Not one bit. You can have a thousand experiences, it doesn't add up to an awakening. Awakening is a whole different ball game. It's your basic state. An experience is something that comes and goes. A state isn't something that comes or goes. It's past there. Yeah. This, what happens is, if you start entertaining this, it will influence all your experiences. Yeah. It won't give you an experience, but every one of your experiences will be influenced by this new way of seeing. It's not even a new way of seeing, it's just you've lost the interest in the old way of looking, and now they're seeing, yeah? It's like, it's like if you had a pair of glasses on and you took them to be your eyes, would you ever think of taking them off? Your mind would never go there. No matter how much distortion was being produced, no matter how much you were bumping into things, no matter how much ob- it was obvious you weren't seeing, yeah, you couldn't even see what was five foot ahead of you, you would never cross the point of entertaining taking them off because you took them to be your eyes. This is what's happening with selfing. You're taking it to be yourself. And there isn't one. Yeah? You're giving it the perfect immunity. No matter how nasty it gets, you'll never be able to entertain a radical freedom from it. Because, And you may be entertaining a freedom as it, like crazy. A lot of, I, would, I see a lot of people, they're trying to entertain, I'm going to be free as a self. It's at a point where they're saying, I'm going to be there to experience my own absence. 
I'm going to be there to experience my own absence. I just, I'm going to wait and wait until that happens. <laughs> you, you can't experience an absence. Yeah. <laughs> So there is a solution. From the solution point of view, the problem is imaginary. So after that hits, you don't need a solution either. It's so gorgeous. It's so economical. There's nothing to grab onto, therefore there's nothing to lose. Yeah? There's nothing to be vigilant about, so you don't have to be a big relevant character in the play. You're actually truly irrelevant, and that's why it works. Yeah? It never falls upon you either choosing or not choosing. It's beyond that. You are that. You can't. You have no say in the matter, mm. not one bit, man. <laughs> Should try it one day. Check it out. <laughs> you know, it may cause tonight, the rest of the night, to be a little lighter. Even hearing this may. That's what. That's, that's what's amazing. I see people, and this hits them, and yet then they go home and think about it, and their mind makes it something. Yeah, and then you lose it again. Or where they think, I got it. And as soon as you got it, you've nuded it also. No thing is so beautiful. And it's also, no, nothing is the gift that keeps on giving. Everything comes out of nothing. And it's trippy. You ever see those Middle Earth movies, you know, Lord of the Rings? When they have the eye of Sauron. And it's, it's an all-seeing eye. It's looking everywhere for its precious, its precious, the ring. This is so ordinary. That eye of Sauron misses it. That's why it's so valuable. You know, the one who wants to be recognized for spiritual growth, you're missing this. This is so ordinary, dog shit awareness. Yeah, like somebody I was talking to today, it's been start, sort of capturing them. And they're realizing life isn't as dramatic as it used to be. It's like, you know, it's not as uh, noticeable. No one, They're not going to the cliff with the wind blowing through their hair, making a big deal about a surrender. They're just surrendered every day. Yeah. Seems quite ordinary, but it's so enriched. It rich enriches every moment on so many levels. Yeah. Yet you can't put zeros behind an account book in it. You can't even point to it. Yeah. You can't uh, flaunt it around anybody. Yeah. It's too it's too ordinary for that. Yeah. Your mind doesn't even give it any value. The conditional mind. It just steps over it every day, looking for what it thinks it is. <laughs> I mean, right now you are what you're looking for. <laughs> you just don't think so. <laughs> like St. Francis said, a beautiful statement. What's looking is what you're looking for. So beautiful to save you so much time. What's looking is what you're looking for. He didn't say who's looking. <laughs> he said what's looking. What's looking is what you're looking for. Right now. There was no little amendment saying, but on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> no. What's looking is what you're looking for. What a beautiful invitation. So succinct. One sentence. Not 500 pages of scriptures. One little statement goes right to the heart of the matter. One little statement. That's the, the brevity is so beautiful. They're like perfectly cut diamonds, yeah? One little hit of light off one of its sides just get, hits you. So 
all cleanly, you know. I like one that Ramana Maharshi supposedly said, which is, to know God is to be God. Yeah, I love that so much, because in the interpretive state, to know God is to become a knower of God, <laughs> which the emphasis is on the knower of God more than God. His statement is so clean, to know God is to be God. Yeah, What the hell are you going to do with that? Yeah. When are you going to be able to unbe it? <laughs> you either being it, or that's it. Oh, I think I'm not going to be God today. No, you don't have any say in the matter. Yeah. So the no God, the be God. No process. Yeah. Boom. It's like this thing with interest. To me, the whole obsession with self is based on interest, really. So let's say I'm in this, we're in this room, and there's a room right next door, and there's a pretty woman who I've seen I'd like to meet, you know? And my mind's telling me we're going to get married and have my babies and everything like that. So she means a lot to me. I've never met her yet, but (laughs) in my head, she's like my savior for the month, you know? I really, she's going to do everything that I can't seem to do for myself, right? (laughs) So I'm at a talk like this. My interest is trying to hear what she has to say. I'm hoping she's talking about me and goes, hey, I like that guy, Paul. Because I don't want to, I'm, I'm really afraid of dealing with rejection, so I want to have it, you know, like the bet hedged a little bit, you know? So I'm list, trying to listen, and I'm supposed to be doing a talk, and people start noticing I don't seem to really be here. And so they say, hey, Paul, you know, this is, you're talking about this, and, you, and I'm saying, yeah, but I have no control of the interest of attention. I can't call it back. You know? It's out there because it's doing its job. It's looking out for me. Yeah? And this is my savior, this babe. Yeah? So right, someone walks up to the desk, puts this book on, How to Lose Interest in a Conversation in Another Room. Yeah? I page through it. I like the principles, but it's not having any effect. And then so, so suddenly I hear her, and I'm really like x-ray hearing. you know. And she says, I really like that guy, Matt, and my name is Paul. What happens? My in- I lose interest immediately. Yeah? I don't have to take a three-month retrieval program to get my interest back. As soon as I hear it's not about me, I lose total interest in it. Where does the interest go? Find out. Find out where the interest goes. That interest is going to enrich your life instead of obsess your mind. Yeah. So what was bonding me to that was the hopes that it was about me. When I realized it wasn't about me, I lost interest. Exactly the same thing in the thought system. You're hearing the thoughts as if they're about you or you're the one who's thinking them. Yes? There's a bondage there. What would happen if you entertain, I may not be the object of those thoughts and I'm definitely not the subject of those thoughts. I'm saying you will lose interest in the thought system. Yeah? And once you lose interest in the thought system, the thought system loses its influence over you. Because it's your juice that it's using. Yeah? The thought isn't... You and I, if you ever read The Course in Miracles, you and I are doing something right now that you and I may not know. We are giving everything all the meaning it has. That's why, in a filtered-down way, we're all having a subjective experience. We're at the same event, but we're all having a different experience of it because we're giving it a different meaning. Yeah. So the mind is giving everything all the meaning it has. It's doing it to thoughts. Yeah. So let's say, you ever know about the Internet with the cloud? There's tons of information, but there's no place called the cloud. You just access this information that downloads. Yeah. So let's say there's a cloud of mind. And how you access that mind is through the my, yeah? So then when a thought is seen as your thought, there's a lot of your ideas up there. 
Yeah, there's a lot of your meanings. There's a lot of conditional things that are wrapped in the packaging of yours. Yeah, they now have chance to access into this world through you, over the bridge of my. So there's the thought. It's just the thought, but now it's seen as my thought. That my represents a lot of meaning. Yeah, the meaning gets injected into the thought. Then you think the thoughts brought you the meaning. You missed the whole delivery. It came through what you are. Yeah? All brought about by the bridge of mind. We're cutting off the supply lines. That's all. We're questioning them. If it's not about me, I'm going to lose interest in that thought system. If I'm not the doer of it, I'm going to lose interest in the thought system. And when I lose interest in the thought system, the influence the thought system has over me is lost. Yeah? Because it, it has no juice other than the juice I give it. We call it in recovery, playing God. We give this juice to this system of thought and it plays God with it because it's God-like juice. It can make things seem to be so that aren't happening. Yeah? You can provoke the effects of fear by a mental anxiety on something that never even happened and probably never will happen. Yet, you're so powerful, you can produce an effect in this world, right now, in your body, in your emotional condition, in your nervous system, by believing those thoughts. This isn't like you were bonded one time. It's an activity of bondage, brought to you by the language that the thoughts are wrapped in. And you're hearing them in an ignorant manner as either the thinker of them or the thought about and that is bonding you to their effects, which are actually your effects. Yeah? Course in Miracles set would say, you and I are the dreamer of this dream. We forgot we're dreaming it, and we've given everything we've dreamt the power to affect us. A really good apt description of what's going on. You and I are the dreamer of this place. Yeah? We don't realize that, because we take ourselves to be a dreamt object. This. Yeah? In that forgetfulness, everything we've dreamt, we, we forget that we're dreaming it, and we've given it all the power to affect us as this dreamt object. Just like if you were in a dream, and there was a tiger in that dream, that tiger would scare the bejesus out of you, right? If you were in close proximity. Maybe the best you could do is read about how to be living with a, cohabitate a small space with a tiger, or this and that. But still, there'd be a large amount of anxiety, because the nature of the tiger is out of the blue, ripping your throat out, yeah? There's going to be no relief from that inherent anxiety. But if you woke up, and you realized it was a dreamt tiger, would that dreamt tiger have the ability to, to scare you anymore? Would it? No. It, that ability would have been taken away, not by the tiger or by something, some warden or some trainer, but by you waking up. Yes, exactly. The effects you're having are in exact proportion to where your mind is resting in. If it's resting in self-centeredness, you're at the effects of all this shit that's not happening. Conversely, you can have an immunity to it. And then find out what it's like, instead of being self-centered, to be centered. See what it's like. There are modalities of mind that are open and available, and they're not centered in self. They don't look in a way that always pertains to this (laughs) idea of being you. They're open, big. It's like free-ranging. 
lots of possibilities, a huge amount of possibilities. Not the possibility I will be okay, because once I was okay, but I am okay. Yeah. Look at the thought system. What does it honor? Does it honor this moment, or does it honor the past and future? What are your thoughts about? Are they about the past or the future? If they are, that's what it values. The thought system values the past and the future because that's where you can seem to appear and be remembered now. Yeah? As a self, as a body. This moment, the thoughts have no value here. They're using this moment to think about there and then. Yeah? But you're conscious and you're aware of the consciousness. Or you actually have the ability to be aware of it. But if you're hyper-aware of the self, you'll be blind to the awareness of the consciousness. Yeah? And whatever path you're on, you're going to be the illuminating factor to that path. Whatever book produces an aha, it was the, your own mind using that book to produce the aha. The book had no potential to produce anything. Yeah? It was the mind that was reading it that produces the effect. this is like I don't like that term empowerment because it's been used in so many ways but this is truly empowering one of the biggest branches that shrivels up is blame when you see that no one no one ever did any did anything to you in a sense that you were in cahoots with yeah like in AA we talk about you know, all this shit may happen to you, and it looks like you didn't have anything to do with it, but if you look at it, you'll invariably find that you made a decision based on self that puts you in the position to be hurt. Why don't you look at your own lives and see that? Yeah. See it. See the, see the effects or the expressions of the fruit of the system. Do you want to keep managing those fruits? Or just move to another tree? Like Jesus said, a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruits, and a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruits. You'll know the tree by the fruits. Yeah. So if you see a lot of bad fruits, like a lot of resentments and anxieties and paranoias going on all day, then and just look, move from the tree. You know what I mean? You're not going to change. You don't pray to the tree to change its ways. It's like <laughs> someone who you know saves a snake and puts it in a shoebox and gets a nice little bit of flannel and makes it a little comforter and gets a little eyedropper and gives it milk every day and she's really or he's really thinking the, they're becoming a friend with the snake and then she's walking the snake over a river, let's say, being its total guardian and suddenly the snake bites her and she's really surprised. Mr. Snake, why did you bite me? And he goes, hey, I'm a snake. Yeah? A failed system is going to fail you. There's nothing. It's, it's systemic. The system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness is a failed system. It can't hold the weight of a life. Yeah? It contracts it. It fits, it makes the life smaller to seem bigger. For you to be so big, your life has to be really freaking small. This way, you get right-sized and then you fit yourself around life and you'll see how large you are. Yeah? I'm excited about it. I have been ever since I heard it. Because it's become my last answer. It was the last... I haven't found another one in 14, 15 years. All I've been doing is entertaining this. And it's never... End, it's always, always... It's like electromagnetism, which is self-generating. The electricness produces the magnetism, magnetism, electricity. This is sort of like 
what's always so and entertaining, they both feed on each other. Your mind can constantly reflect what's always so. You know how bored we get out here? Remember when you were a kid, and uh, let's say uh, if we were here and a little kid came in, and you went, ha, ah, the kid would be afraid to go, ha, ah, and you do it 20 times, you do the same thing. Or you go to the beach with a Labrador, you throw the ball, and it's, it's tail, 800 times, the tail's still wagging the same way your arm, that's why the guy invented that thing. Because people's arms will get fallen off. The dog is just happy. Now, you know, something happens. Oh, I know that. You know, oh, I've seen that before. Oh, I better sunsets than that. You know, There's absolutely fucking no appreciation. We're drifting into deep levels of boredom. Because our mind is entertaining minutiae all day. What's going to happen to me? Did they did they see my pants were shorter than you know they should be? They're not touching the shoe and well, what did that girl mean to uh, by saying hello to me for five hours? This is mind entertaining. Why not give it something big to entertain? It's going to entertain. If you believe in time, you're going to entertain like fucking crazy. What's going to happen to you? It's this, it's a quality of mind. It entertains. It expresses. It entertains. It reflects. That's what it's doing. Hey, maybe give it another idea like, hey, I'm not that. You know? For me, it was, I'm not that, and that's that. <laughs> it wasn't like, I'm not that, now let's start looking for I. All you need to see is what you're not. That's what you are, is the seeing of what you're not. The recognition of what you're not is the recognition of what you are. You go the negative way here. You can't go the positive way. It's a negative way. I'm not that. Yeah. Because you are, you are already. It doesn't need to be affirmed. All that you're not needs to be denied. That's all. You don't need to affirm the denial of what you're not is the affirmation of what you are. Yeah, And it maybe it'll happen a few times, but one time the emphasis will be on the seeing. And it will be a done deal. It's like 51% of your stock will move over there. This little 49%, all it's left with is a megaphone. It'll be loud, but fuck it. You won't be, you'll be hearing it, but you won't be listening to it. And then you'll have an immunity, a stabilized immunity, not based on circumstances and situations. And your circumstance, your situations, your conditions, your emotional, physical, you'll outshine them. Instead of being a fucking slave to everything, you'll be outshining what used to enslave you. Yeah. And this is incredible slavery here. Quite a lot. Just by being moved by time, you can't even enjoy peace of mind because if any peace drops in on you, you start worrying, will it be there tomorrow? How can you enjoy peace that way? How can you enjoy peace like a rat would enjoy a little bit of crumb when the light's off in the refrigerator? Always wondering when the light goes on. It's got to run under the refrigerator again. Is that peace? That's slavery to me. Yeah. This is about radical fucking freedom. That looks quite ordinary. Yeah. You're not going to be walking around with turbochargers. You know? You may not even have a loving gaze. <laughs> you may not be able to do many asanas. You may a lot of things may not be happening, but one thing will definitely be happening. 
which is the awareness that everything is happening. <laughs> You'll be on. You'll be verbing, brother and sister. <laughs> and that's the only way you can see life is really happening, is be happening with it. If you take a stationary position, it'll be seen as it's happening to you. It's the noun that causes all the fucking... Uh, it's like, here's what would happen if a bunch of water decided it was the water? All the rest of the water would be hitting it as it was streaming by, wasn't it? That's what's happening with us. We're standing in this giant rush of events and beingness and saying, I am. <laughs> Just flow with it, bro. Go. Jesus, give up the ghost. It's not you. It's imaginary. Yeah? See, the highest level it can do here is appear. Yeah? It can appear to you that there's something so, but it's not so. It's just reaching the highest level it can do, which is appearance. And, at the, and the selfing will never become a self. That's why it's always agitated. It's desiring to unbecome and become unbecome, but it never is. Never. Never is. It can never reach that level of isness. That's the solution. It can only appear, and for it to appear real, there has to be a you for it to appear real too. It has no appearance even in reality unless you see it that way. Yeah? And your eye, your way of seeing can change. Just where your mind is resting in will change the way you're seeing. <coughs> if you try to change your way you're seeing from the, the form of looking, it's just another more form of looking. Yeah? Self-centeredness has bastardized seeing. You take off the glasses and there's the natural seeing. Yeah? And when you, it dawns on you, you realize it's always been that way. It could never have been any other way. And the obviousness of it will make you fucking start laughing. Because it's just been under our nose every second of the time we've been, been here. Every second. Every freaking nanosecond. The invitation has been open. <laughs> it was just the you that was trying to get it that made it something. Yeah? yeah. There you go. <laughs> you have any questions? No? Great. <laughs> Are you afraid of sharks? What? Are you afraid of sharks? Huh? Are you afraid of sharks? Am I afraid of sharks? No. <laughs> but I was when I was in the water with one. Yeah, so I was definitely. <laughs> I think that was the appropriate response <laughs> at the time. It would be inappropriate now, yes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys were easy. That's nice. <laughs> Very easy. You're all stunned, and that's good. <laughs> what I'm really here for is to sell you some shirts. There's some shirts over there. <laughs> We designed some shirts with Zen Bitch Slap and non-Zen Bitch Slap on it. I'm more than happy if you take a look there. And remember, Zen Bitch, we have a website called ZenBitchSlap.com, or you can go to Paul Hedeman. There's a lot of YouTube stuff out there. And if you're in recovery, we have one called the Reflections on the 12 Steps, which is like a five-hour thing. You can download it on YouTube and stuff. And I've heard it's really it's been very helpful to people. So it's just I just described you know the AA program and stuff and. Uh, and all the downloads are free, and just help yourself. And repetition can be helpful because it's a message, yeah. It's an invitation. It's not a big, long, drawn-out thing. And repetition is helpful, just like repetition is part of the poison in a way. 
like I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, has been repeated many, many times, maybe in your head. And then there's the belief in that, or the fear that it's true. The same way we're using repetition of, of this, where you hear the message, and maybe, like the mind's like a lazy Susan, and maybe one time we'll get all the way through, and there'll be an aha. And as long as you don't make it something, it'll just start pulsating nothingness, and it'll have a very, very strong influence on how things go here, or how you go. Yeah? So zenbitchslap.com, partake, and don't. There's tons of talks there. So. All right, well. I also want to uh, tell folks oh, your other talks. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll be here Friday night, too. Mm-hmm. And then I'm doing a talk Thursday at a woman's house in Villanova, mm-hmm. and Sunday at Yoga on Main. In the morning. In the morning. Yeah. Or it's uh, 12, 12 to or 2. 12 to but 2. if you go to the website, there's all the information. So, yeah, come back if you like, and we'll just explore. You know, see the thing is, I have total faith in your mind. I do. There's a great Zen treatise called Faith Mind, and I truly believe that that view. That all the mind needs is the possibility to hear. Yeah, then it can entertain. If it doesn't hear the possibility, it can't entertain it. So, I was practicing a lot. I thought I was pretty diligent in a lot of practices, but that that. And to, that possibility wasn't dropping in by what I was doing. I had to hear it from a meeting such like this. And when it introduced that idea that maybe instead of looking for another form of meditation, why not look who's the meditator? And turning the light that way really worked for me. To start questioning or at least seeing the subjectivity. And what I saw is there's nobody home, but there's a lot of processes that are there to reinforce that identification as, Yeah. Because if the reinforcement isn't happening, the identification is seen through very easily. Yeah, So the glue has to constantly put on because it's never truly bonded. It just seems like it's thing. If you pulled it, it would pull apart. But it keeps applying it. So you have like 70,000 thoughts a day, they say. Yeah, And let's say you're aware of 5,000 of them. A lot of those thoughts on, on, a, on a certain agenda is just to reinforce the idea of being the doer and the thinker and the haver and the feeler. Yes? Yeah. So you're, it's some, And then when we talk to each other, we're helping each other trance out in a way. Yeah? Like, I'll be your hypnotist, you'll be my hypnotist. And we're, and we're all pretty much like in vertical coffins in a way. We have wheels on it, so we feel like we're alive. But we're basically living an interpretation. We're not even near the pulse of living. So, are you truly alive? I don't believe so. If you were, uh, you'd really value it, you know. You'd honor this, possi- this opportunity. So, when you have the thought, what are you supposed to... What? When you're aware of the thought, you told me this before, and I'm remembering. That's not me? That's well, there, no, there's not There's not a you that's aware of the right. thought. There's just an awareness of the thought, yeah. Yeah? So what do you say? There's just, you don't say anything. Just I just said it. Just let it go in and see how it works out for you. You don't want to make it into anything. Just let it in. It's already got it in. You've been served the spiritual subpoena tonight, <laughs> knowing it or not. It's already been served. I've done this for a long time. I can see. Don't worry. And uh, it's in there. Like Ramana said, it's like your your head is in the tiger's mouth already. It's already a done deal. <laughs> just start seeing thoughts and maybe just see them. And maybe one day the emphasis will be on the seeing, not the thought. Yeah. And that's when the recalibration starts happening. Because what you are is a verb. You're not a noun. You're not a seer or a thinker or a doer. Yeah? You're not. You're the seeing. 
Yeah, and it never turns into a seer. It's just seeing. Yeah, in, in like an infinite verb, infinite, infinite, infinite. Like in a law, there's a great old book. It's very strange, but it's. I thought the title was awesome, which was Lord Buddha's explanation of the universe. I thought that was great, man. I mean, really, they have the balls to explain the universe. I thought that was great, and it's out of this old stuff from uh, uh, conservative Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism, called the Abhidhamma. And he had like a 50-day sermon where he explained everything. And he talks about the mind. And he says the mind, you know, the mind meaning everything, is, is motion. Motion. It's all, everything is moving. Everything is verbing. Yeah? The mind is verbing at an incredible speed. Yeah? Everything is verbing. There's no noun to be found. The mental process makes up a story to partition the verb, to compartmentalize it, to produce hierarchies and degrees by having a noun in there. There is no noun. That's the freedom from the bondage of self. The self is the formulation of a mental idea into a noun. You're not that. Yeah. So, there you go. Buy some shirts. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Thank you.